Midday Live on SAFM 104-107. Thanks, Melanie. It's uh, six and a half minutes past twelve. Indeed, this is a uh, Midday Live on SAFM. It's uh, 104-107. We welcome your SMSs on 34701. You can tweet us at Gwalapi News at, uh, midday, at SAFM Midday Live. Emails uh, coming through Midday Live at sabc.co.za or Gwalapi at sabc.co.za. I just want to know uh, what you regard as a top story this week. So many stories uh, happening, really, some of them bizarre. Uh, so what do you consider your top story this week, uh, this first week of uh, July 2013? The ousting of uh, Egyptian President uh, Mohamed Morsi, uh, does that uh, make it uh, to your top story? What about Klokwe uh, municipality there? A second vote of no confidence in the mayor there. And of course, uh, the 14 ANC councillors have now been expelled. Uh, was that your top story, perhaps? And of course, the grandson of uh, former President Nelson Mandela, Mandela Mandela, lashing out at members of uh, the Mandela family, who succeeded in, a, in their application to the Eastern Cape High Court in Mtata to unearth uh, the remains of uh, three of former President Nelson Mandela's children, including Mandela's father, who were buried in Vezo. Was that your top story? Let's hear it on 34701 at Kuala B News uh, at SAFM Midday Live. It's eight minutes past twelve to our top story this hour. Former President Nelson Mandela's close family members insist that the ailing elder statement remains responsive, though he is critically ill at the Mediclinic uh, Med Heart Hospital. This, as confusion again reigns over the real condition of the icon, he was admitted at the Pretoria Hospital 20, 28 days ago. While the presidency has maintained that uh, Madiba is in a critical but stable condition, Affidavits used in court describe him to be in a vegetative state, a view that contradicts officials and close family members' statements. Senior political reporter Maslati Kalen says more. Until the court papers, the presidency has been the only official source on Madiba's health. The documents that have been made public describe his health as perilous. However, it is an affidavit by David Smith representing the 16 Mandela relatives that has dominated the headlines. He submitted to court that Madiba is in a permanent vegetative state and is assisted by a life support machine to breathe. It further says his family has been advised by doctors to turn off the life support. The document was filed last week Thursday to force Mandela's grandson Mandla to exhume the remains of Mandela's three children in Mveso and move them back to Kuno. A close family member speaking to the SABC privately insists Madiba remains responsive and this is what the family is holding on to. A similar sentiment was expressed by Mandela's daughter Makaziwe last week. Data is very critical and, and that... Uh, uh I think uh, because the president has cancelled his trip from Mozambique, I think it has put uh, the family and I think the, the whole nation uh, in a state of uh, anxiety and anticipation that anything is imminent. But uh, I want to emphasize again for you that it's only God who knows when the time to go is. And so um, we will wait with him, with Dada. As long for us as a family, he's still giving us, uh, opening his eyes. He's still reactive to touch. We will live with that hope until the final end comes. 
The presidency has rejected reports that Mandela is in a vegetative state, spokesperson Mac Maharaj. Indeed, uh, we issued a clarification late last night where the doctors denied that the former president is in a vegetative state. And we confirm our earlier statement uh, released yesterday afternoon after President Zuma had visited Madiba in hospital, which stated that Madiba remains in a critical but stable condition. Maharaj has distanced the presidency from the court case. The presidency has faced criticism for not allowing members of the medical team to speak on his health as it's normally done in other countries in similar cases. Maharaj says it was agreed by all parties that only the presidency will release the statements on his health. Mandela is being treated by a panel of doctors drawn from universities, the military, public and private health sector. He remains on 24-hour care. The public has a right and we have a duty to tell the public the true position of former President Mandela's health. At the same time, the issues of clinical details are not a matter that we can just ride over the necessity of doctor-patient confidentiality. Attempts to find the lawyer for the Mandela 16, David Smith, were unsuccessful. Mahlatze Gallens, SABC News, Johannesburg. Staying with this particular story, Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu has appealed to members of the Mandela family to dig deep within themselves and find the grace that Madiba and the nation deserves at this somber moment. He asked that the family should not think only of themselves and destroy Madiba's name. Tutu says this is almost like spitting in Madiba's face. Meanwhile, Abatembo King Buelekaya Dalinjebo is to respond to accusations made by Mandela Mandela in a media conference yesterday. Mandela said that King Dalinjebo must stop accusing him of being part of a group that is plotting to dethrone him. For more on this now, we joined on the line by our reporter Nkululego Nyembezi, who is at the King's Palace. Good afternoon to you, Nkululego. Yes, sir. good afternoon to you and to the listeners. And uh, the media briefing, has it started? Yes, it, it, it has already started. I remember it was an exclusive interview with SABC News. And uh, when uh, uh, King Wilaka Garengeo addressed the media, uh, he was uh, wearing uh, his uh, black beret with a red star on the forehead. And then he expressed shock about what is going on now in the Temple Nation as well as the, to the Mandela uh, family. And uh, But uh, he, he, he applauded the judicial system uh, in South Africa for uh, issuing out uh, that uh, judgment of which uh, Mandela Mandela was was uh, uh, ordered to bring back uh, the remains of the three children of former uh, President Nelson Mandela. But uh, in regard to which what Mandela has just said, just said yesterday, he said that it's so unfortunate Mandela to dispute or to 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 to, to to deny the allegations that uh, he is one of the person who is uh, uh, behind uh, the removal, uh, the attempt to remove him as a as a king of the temple nation, was this was proved even uh, to the parliament. In the parliament, uh, he was he was he is, he is, uh, he is allegedly the one who is behind the, the people who are trying by all means to remove King Bilekaya. His, uh, uh, as a king of the Indeed, uh, taking a, a direct aim at Mandela there, but why would uh, Mandela Mandela want him dethroned? Well, according to King Bilekaya, he believes that there are people within the ruling party who are financing Mandela Mandela uh, who want to make sure that King Bilekaya 
is dethroned from his position as the king. So he believes that uh, those people want to develop the area or the, the, the village of Mbezo so that uh, it, it can become a, a tourist attraction as more especially uh, Manda Mandela is uh, a grandson of uh, uh, the ailing uh, former president Nelson Mandela. And uh, what did uh, the, 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 the king say about his role in the whole uh, developments now happening in the Mandela homestead? He is very shocked to a certain extent that he has just a call for peace and the calm, as well as especially amongst the South Africans. And then he asked the international and the local media to just give space to the family of Mandela because uh, this issue is a very sensitive and uh, ask them to, and even the, the, the temple nation, he just asked them to calm down and he will call the meeting very soon so that he can explain to them and uh, try to make peace to the family of uh, of, of Mandela as well as the Hindu nation. Thank you very much uh, to our reporter Ngurulego Nyembezi reporting for us live from the King's Place in uh, the Eastern Cape at exactly 15 minutes past 12. Our top story this hour, over 200 bus drivers in the Bembe district of Limpopo have given the Bus Operators Association 48 hours to respond to their demands. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,233.70 an ounce, platinum at $1,333 an ounce, the rand is trading at 10 rands against the US dollar at 15 rand 10 to the pound and at 12 rand 90 to the euro. The story centers on a recent widow and single father. Jim Grant wanted for a bank robbery and murder, who hid from the FBI for over 30 years posing as an Albany attorney. You on your way to New York to turn yourself in? Go move! Hands in the air! Grant must find his ex-lover Mimi, the one who can clear his name. Got him. You have a full green light. What are you willing to take a risk for? I don't think he's running away. I think he's trying to clear his name. The company you keep will be available in cinemas from the 18th of July 2013. Free data just got bigger and better with MTN. Nzansi, you can get 2 gigs of free data every month with the MTN 3 gigabyte internet package for only 299 per month. And it gets much better because you can get 4 gigs of free data every month on the MTN 5 gigabyte internet package for only 499 per month. Free data can be used all day and all night. That's more mahala on your world-class internet network. Internet packages available on a 24-month contract. Conditions apply. MTN, everywhere you go. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Let's go to the northwest now where the Klogwa City Council's acting municipal manager has been served with a letter terminating his services as the battle continues between the Democratic Alliance and the African National Congress over the leadership of the council. This as members of the council, including the 14 expelled ANC councillors, convened an urgent council meeting in the northwest this morning. I earlier spoke to Matlape Madiela, who is one of the expelled councillors, and I asked her if she was part of the first vote of no confidence in the mayor last year. Yes, I was. Why? Why did you embark uh, on that particular process in the first place? That is the thing that the, the caucus of the ANC agreed upon before the council meeting. Before we get into a council meeting, the ANC holds a, a, a caucus, and then we, we, we get into a council meeting with the decision of the caucus. 
So you took that decision, but uh, immediately after that, uh, the ANC from, from Lutuli House uh, had a word with you, and then you changed your stance, and then Mampetle Mampetle reinstated as, as the mayor. Why did you have to, why did you have to re- reinstate him when you had issues? That was the instruction from Lutuli House that you must reinstate him. And they said they are going to do their own investigation. They come back to us on the 6th of February. Was it against your feelings? There, there was no way that I can defy the instructions from, so from, from my head office. Okay. So we all agreed that we will reinstate you. Okay, and they promised to come back to you on the 6th of February. Has on that happened? On the 6th of February, yes. No, it never happened. Instead, they sent a delegation to come to talk to the communities just to 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 ask for forgiveness from the communities. But they did not come back to us as they promised. Fast track now to uh, the events of this week where, again, you slap the mayor with a vote of no confidence. You assist the opposition to take over the, the management of a Tlokwe municipality. Why was that? That, that, that? that statement is not correct. The ANC councillors did not assist the, the, the DA to oust the mayor. The motion of confidence was put in by the, the by the DA, and the speaker called a meeting for the 25th of June. She then postponed the meeting to the 20, to the 2nd of July, and the the item of the motion was already on the agenda. And we came into the council and we we discussed the 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 the, 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 the that item came. That is how was, that is how the mayor was offered. But ANC councillors did not participate in the motion, and the ANC councillors did not vote. The ANC councillors did not even nominate an ANC candidate. Why didn't you debate the issue of a vote of no confidence in one of your own? We, we did not participate. But what would be the norm in ensuring that a motion like this does not go through? When an item is already on the agenda, there is no way that we can, we can, we can ignore it. The whole council agreed, not only the ANC, the whole council agreed. And, and when it was discussed, then what happened? Then the mayor is removed, a vote of no confidence is put, and the mayor is removed. And what do you do? Nothing, we did nothing. But what was your, your plan? Did you want the mayor to be removed? No, we did not want our mayor, our mayor to be removed. And the ANC, subsequent to that, uh, calls you into a, a meeting to say, explain yourselves, and uh, only two uh, show up and uh, they show remorse and they apologize. The 14 of you say, we're not going to go to that meeting. Why was that? It was a surprise to us to find that we are called to a DC on the very same date when the council was sitting. So it was very difficult for us to go to a DC when we knew that the council was sitting. On the... On the Summons that were issued to us, at the bottom of it, 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 it was stating that if a person does not appear, then we must send a representative. So we sent our representative. You have now been expelled from the ANC. Is that your understanding? I have seen that on TV, and I, I was told by other councillors that they received the SMSs also that says they are expelled, but I did not receive one. But knowing that I was part of the council meeting on that day, I am amongst the 14. So, but as far as you know, you are still a, a member of the ANC in the northwest, in the Tlokwe local municipality. You're still a local councillor there. For as long as they don't issue me with an, S- an SMS or something that notifies me that I'm expelled, I still regard myself as an ANC member.
And in the meeting yesterday, we heard of uh, the burning of uh, ANC T-shirts by some of uh, the, the, the 14 members. Were you part of that? I was here for, for a media briefing, and the community members were here chanting and burning those t- T-shirts. So what happens going forward? Are you still going to remain ANC, you and, and the 14, or are you going to look elsewhere? No, I'll still, I'll still wait for them to, to, to send me an SMS. If they don't, I will remain the member of the ANC. If the ANC sends you that SMS then to say thank you very much, then what do you do? No, I'll just accept. And take it lying down like that? Yes. And then let's go back to the mayor. Do you, in, in your view, because there are allegations of uh, all sorts of things, corruption being, being one of them, uh, maladministration and so on. In your view, do you still want the mayor to be, uh, Mr. Mapetle Mapetle, to be the mayor of, of Tlokwe? Like I said, when the ANC is instructing us to keep him as the mayor of Tlokwe, I will abide. There you have it. Uh, that's uh, one of uh, the expelled councillors in the Tlokwe local municipality there. It's uh, Matlape Madiela speaking to us uh, a little earlier on. Further afield, Zimbabwe looks set to hold its election at the end of this month. This despite advice from uh, the regional body, SADC, to postpone it for two weeks. A spokesperson for Prime Minister and uh, the MDC leader, Morgan Changrai, has said that they will abide by the latest ruling of the country's constitutional court. The court ruled that uh, the elections should proceed on uh, July the 31st in terms of uh, a proclamation by President uh, Robert Mugabe that uh, complied with uh, the court's earlier order. Changrai's MDC, a smaller MDC faction, and uh, Justice uh, Minister Patrick Chinamasa had approached the court to extend the date to August the 14th in line with uh, SADC's recommendations. This was uh, to allow more time for reform of uh, the security forces and state media there. This is what uh, President Mugabe's lawyer, Terence Hussein, had to say after the ruling. Uh, yes, I think uh, everybody's uh, quite happy with the decision that our court made. We sat for the entire day. Very lengthy arguments were made from all the parties and the judges uh, thoroughly considered the matter, and what came out was a unanimous decision this time. You remember the last time it was 7-2, this time it was all nine judges, reaffirming that uh, basically uh, the constitution of Zimbabwe prevails. I don't think he is in defiance of SADC because there is no obligation on him to comply or not comply with SADC. SADC is not a constitutional body. The president is only bound to adhere to the laws of Zimbabwe and to listen to his people. But to set the record straight, he is not defying SADC. Uh, Honorable Minister Chinamasa, in fact, filed the application before the constitutional court. SADC, not a constitutional body of Zimbabwe, says that Terence Hussein, who is President Robert Mugabe's lawyer in Zimbabwe. Earlier, I uh, spoke to President Jacob Zuma's advisor on foreign issues, Linda Wezulu, for their reaction to this development. SADC did not say uh, the, the, the elections must be postponed without the discussion and taking a submission, making submissions to the court. SADC said, they are conscious of the fact that the time is very short and therefore they would rather see a situation where the time is extended. However, they also did say that the extension can only be done through approaching the court. Hence, they said to the parties, they must make sure that God does make submissions to the court. You will recall that uh, the made uh, its submission 
through Minister Chinamasa. However, the other political parties were not happy with the submission. They then their own submission. So the court took into consideration the submission that was made by Minister Chinamasa, the submissions that were made by all the political parties. And after having gone through the submissions, the court still felt that the elections must be held on the 31st uh, of, uh, of July. So what I'm clarifying here is that SADC had not said the elections must happen exactly on the 31st. They had said the courts must be approached to request for an extension on the basis that they felt the time was not enough. However, if the parties are feeling that they will be ready for the elections, there's not much the SADC can do. All that SADC can say is, to make sure that the elections are held under a conducive environment, make sure that the institutions such as the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission make sure that the outstanding issues, particularly the ones that are meant to create a conducive environment for elections, are in place. We are hoping, therefore, that they'll be able to do that because one thing subject is sure about, one thing the facilitator is sure about is that the elections in Zimbabwe must be free, must be fair, must be credible. But are you confident that uh, the election will be free, fair and, 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 and credible? Are you, are you confident that uh, some of the issues that have been raised, like uh, reforms in the security sector, in the media, uh, those, those issues will, will be addressed by, by the 31st of July? The time, the time from now, now when the election is extremely short. And therefore, it will be up to SADC to see what is it that it does and up to the facilitator in engaging in making sure that those issues that are critical, critical for, for, for the free, fair elections are, are done. Because at the end of the day, this, the whole process is entirely dependent on the Zimbabwe people. The entire process is dependent on the three parties that are signatory to the global political agreement. We can only be there to assist them in ensuring that the 2008 scenario does not repeat itself. However, we are not Zimbabwean. We are not the one to take those decisions as to whether they continue the elections or they don't. The courts have already made the decision. And the way we hear it is that the parties are gearing themselves up for the election. Okay. As to ensuring that they are free, fair and credible, it still does remain, of course, a responsibility of SADC as a guarantor of the GPA to assist them in ensuring that they create that situation. All right. Finally, Zimbabwe, we all know, doesn't have enough money to hold these elections. They have looked south to South Africa to say, please give us money. And surely South Africa somewhat has a, has a responsibility insofar as that is concerned, but also as being uh, the, the chief facilitator housed here in South Africa, being the president. Uh, also, we have that responsibility to make sure that the elections happened at some point and therefore the, the issue of money. There is a responsibility of SADC. What I can say at this point in time, the facilitator would then have to make a report that says to the, to the leaders in, in the SADC region, from the time that you took a decision that the courts must be approached, this is what has happened, this has been the court ruling, and then it is up to the leaders of SADC, obviously, then to say, how do we take the process forward? Because the main reason why they had been requesting for the extension was just to little bit of space to make sure that those outstanding issues are taken care of, including the issue that we are raising now. Even though the issue that we are raising now, again, does not necessarily depend on South Africa, it depends on the three political parties uh, agreeing as to whether the people that are outside are able to participate in elections or not.
Where the facilitator sits at the moment is to write a, a report that will go to the leaders of region to say that this is where the process is. And uh, that is uh, Lindy Wezulu, who is uh, President Jacob Zuma's advisor on international issues. At exactly 12.30 right here on SAFM 104 to 107, time for the news headlines. I'm looking forward to that uh, particular one. I, I'm told that uh, marquee ticket prices range from uh, around about 350 rand to a bank breaking 5,000 rand. We'll be hearing from, uh, hopefully, our reporters, Kangiwem Tiane, who is uh, in Durban with that particular report. Let's go to the mines now, where the National Union of Mine Workers has given diamond producer De Beers until today to resolve a wage dispute. The union is threatening to go on strike after mediation failed to resolve a wage dispute. Labor unrest and wildcat strikes have rocked the platinum and gold sectors over the past 18 months. Earlier, I spoke to NUM chief negotiator at De Beers, Peter Bailey, and I started by asking him for an update on negotiations. Um, there were interventions made by uh, the negotiators, uh, and we've been engaging since last night. Uh, are, you, are you at liberty um, to, to highlight some of the issues that uh, that you not have? Well, with? well, the issues the issues that we are not uh, that we are not in agreement with is that one the salary increase. You'll recall that we were in we were spending at thirteen percent. The company was at six. Then the second issue was that we wanted the phasing out of the A band, and everybody should start at at B lower. Because currently the situation is we only have eight vendors in one operation, which is the Kimberley Mines, the Phoenicia operation, the Forceput operation, and the DTC don't have eight vendors. DTC only has one eight band person, which they are, which is in the training program to be moved. But in, in Kimberley Mines, they have 25 eight band employees. We want to abolish the eight band category in its totality. There is an in-principle agreement to that. It's just that the tactics and the strategy uh, is the problem at this stage. But A band is um, the lower end of uh, of the entrance. Is the lowest end? Yes, okay. yeah, it's the lowest end. Then there's the then there's two issues here. There's a working electricity subsidy, which is a long-standing agreement, and the medical aid uh, contribution uh, subsidy contribution, which is also since 2009 uh, an agreement. But the employer suddenly has selective amnesia on it and now has an interpretation problem. When uh, when there is no interpretation that can be attached to it because you must read it for what it says, it says that there's a 70-30 split uh, in terms of the medical aid. That 70-30 split, the parties will get together to discuss the rent cap value. Now, the parties have not gotten together. The employer went ahead and the rent value, uh, which is unethical and outside of the framework of the agreement. We took those two matters, the same with the water and electricity. We took those matters to say just resolve these things, revert back to what the agreement said, and uh, and implement them. The employer now wants to make the medical one a bargaining chip. We are not prepared to enter into discussions about it. All right. Uh, the, the, the company is saying that uh, your demands, include, including uh, a 13% increase across the board and other benefits, uh, will really cost uh, a 34% increase on the, well, cost to company. 
Uh, do you think this is sustainable? I, I always have found it difficult that when employees in the lower category embark on collective bargaining process, there's always this thing that we are dumping the country into a crisis. But when a director gets massive bonuses and, and massive increases, because a 6% to a CEO is the equivalent of 40% actual increase to the total number of employees uh, in lower categories. So they must cut on the bonuses and on the increases that they give their senior management and give it to those that matter most who build the brand and make the organization what it is. Because that CEO does not make the organization. He sits in an air-conditioned office and our employees bear the brunt of toiling in under difficult circumstances in building a company to what it is today. And uh, that's a NUM chief negotiator at DBS, Peter Bailey. Let's uh, talk now uh, to Wayne uh, Smedon from uh, DBS and uh, get a sense of uh, what is going on there. Good afternoon to you, uh, Peter. Uh, Wayne, that is. Uh, Wayne, yeah. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon. You heard uh, what uh, Peter had to say. Uh, how do you respond to that? Uh, this, uh, as things stand right now, if you fail to find each other, there's going to be a strike action round about uh, quarter to six this afternoon. At, at about six o'clock this evening, that's correct. Yeah? Sure. Uh, in, in response to Peter, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the sort of philosophical debates about you know, who earns what. Uh, I think I think the issue is that we are still trying to to, to, to get a a solution. I think we're very close. Uh, I'm hoping that in the next hour or two we actually sign an agreement. You're confident that uh, they will sign Noom? Yeah, I'm I'm confident that that we will find each other. Uh, we've made some proposals across across the table. I think there are some issues about the interpretation of uh, previous agreements that that may may still be a bit of a sticking point. But certainly, in in, in the in, in the the bigger issues that that impact on most of our employees, I, I think we, we 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 can find each other. And and uh, what were the problems? Why did the the talks break down? I, th- I think it's a function of of negotiations. Uh, you know, we. There's a process that you follow. I think we've also been beaten out and been negotiating for the past 10 years. And yeah, we, we, get, we get to a point where, where, where sometimes you need to use the, 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 the legal processes that, that the Labor Relations Act provides. And uh, really, if, if this strike goes on this afternoon, really a, a lot of your shafts will be, will be affected. We're talking Limpopo, we're talking even, uh, even the Northern Cape. So it's quite a lot of people will be, will be affected. Well, it's about, it's about a thousand people. Uh, we, we have about 1,400 people in the bargaining unit, uh, which the number probably represents just over a thousand, thousand one hundred. So yeah, it, the, certainly the operations will be affected. Uh, you know, I think one has also got to take a view around whether there is, in fact, an appetite for a strike amongst members, and you know, are, are they going to go out on strike on, on on issues that are that are that are not necessarily uh, really big issues? But uh, the issue of uh, really leave is 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 chief amongst the workers. There, the issues of uh, medical aid; those are issues really that uh, are at the heart of of, of what uh, the the workers are doing. Understood, uh, except to say that uh, the the you know we, we have a medical aid in place. We have general uh, we have generally good leave conditions. Uh, our employees are are paid at the upper end of the market. And yeah, I understand that medical aid and and leave are issues. We've made proposals around that, 
uh, in terms of, of, of uh, increasing the, the leave allocation. Employees currently get 21 days, as I, as I may have said. Sure. We, we, we've, made, we've made a proposal, which, I mean, up to detail, will, will be in an agreement. But we made a, a proposal to increase that. All right. So are you basing your optimism on, on the document that you have handed to uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Bailey there? Bailey. Because he, he says he, he's, he's reading it and already he's picking up some, some areas that he's not comfortable with. Such areas then will result in him advising Noom to go ahead with the strike. Well, I mean, obviously, he's, he's going to have to make that call. Uh, our, our, our view is that ultimately, you know, if our, if our employees are happy with the offer that we make, uh, and, and yeah, we are, we are sailing pretty close to the wind in terms of time here. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we, we, we believe that, you know, that it's a fair offer, uh, and we believe that, that, that there's still room for it to be accepted. We thank you very much, Wayne Smedon. He is DPS Head of Employee Relations. We'll be reading your SMSs shortly, but uh, let's continue with our look into the opportunities for South African students who wish to study in the United States of America. Remember, we spoke to our producer here, Stagazelo Zlamini, who couldn't get uh, into uh, that particular program. It became too expensive for her. Today, we speak to Dineo, uh, Dineo Seakamela, who succeeded in getting a scholarship and is in her third year of studying at Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, North Carolina. Sakamela was one of the beneficiaries of the Duke Endowment Scholarship Fund, which was awarded to Johnson C. Smith University in the year 2011. I earlier asked Dineo what motivated her to apply to universities overseas. Various things actually motivated me to leave. One was after matriculating um, the schooling situation here, the school was in Johannesburg before, and I think in trying to apply and not succeeding, I got very frustrated. So then I just, you know, at, at one moment, I just thought, you know what, maybe it's best for me to seize an opportunity and expand. And I thought that traveling and schooling overseas might just provide that for me. So really, I just went and I approached my parents about it, and I was really lucky because they took it seriously as well, and they, they went with it. Let's talk about the opportunity itself. How did it come about? I was, I was fortunate because at the time that I was applying, um, my school that I'm at right now, they were beginning to recruit children, well, students rather, from, um, from different parts of the world. So mine was really, you know, a, a matter of time and space. And the fortunate thing um, for me was that I, I applied to two different schools. Um, and, you know, I sat every day praying, hoping for an opportunity for either one of them to reach out to me. And I was lucky enough because the opportunity wouldn't even come from either of those schools. Instead, it would come from a different school, which offered me a full scholarship. And I remember at the time when I was applying, I wasn't even looking for a full scholarship. I was just looking for partial um, tuition that could help me out. But instead, I ended up with this opportunity. What is it that you needed to put together to be able to even apply? So things that were required for me were by an essay. This is an essay where you, you know, you substantiate exactly why you think that this would be a great opportunity for you, why it is exactly that they should even consider you for scholarship, what makes you a great student, what makes you a leader. Um, so you had to have that essay. And then your scores as well, your your report card, all your marks from um, from matric. I give them from grade 10 up until matric. And then your SAT scores, um, these are the SATs that you can write at VITS. 
I think about twice a year. And then as well as they call them the TOEFL scores. And these are, this is a test to check if you can speak and understand English. Mm. So those are the things that were needed um, in order for me to apply to the school. Where are you studying at the moment and what is it that you're doing? I'm at Johnson C. Smith University. It is a historically black university in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm studying um, communications and I'm going into corporate communications. I'm not going into the media side of it at all, but I'll be doing corporate communications. All right, let's go back to the to the funding itself, the 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 endowment fund, as it as it is called. Yes, you, you, you do uh, concede though that uh, it's difficult to get a one hundred percent endowment funding, but uh, also it is it's, even more difficult if you don't have funding at all. It's extremely difficult, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity that presented itself to me, because when I look at other students now struggling to. You know, to even pay for schooling in, in their own their own countries, be it in America or in South Africa, I was quite fortunate to find one that would fund me internationally. We have initiatives right now that are coming up, like uh, the the one called Education USA. Uh, do you think initiatives yes. like those really will help uh, South African students go study there, but also when they are there, get all the knowledge that they need and maybe even come back and 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 utilize that uh, that knowledge here at home? I definitely think that it's great. And it's not even a maybe comeback. I think we need to come back. You know, America is full. It's full. There are millions of Americans. Um, we need our people in South Africa to go out, get the knowledge, and come back and make South Africa a better place to live in. And that's what I plan to do. So um, I think that's necessary. They, um, programs like Education USA, we can only hope that this will be, you know, the key and just the, the, the opportunity for our students to go over and, and to study there, and it's important. And it's not just our students going out to to study there. I would encourage any child in any space, if you've grown up in a particular space, you know, take the risk and take the courage to go out and, you know, see what else is out there in the world and then go back to your home with the knowledge that you would have received from there. So, yes, um, perhaps not even just education, you would say, but our students can look to study in places like Europe, um, Asia, different places, not just America. You know, the world is a, a, a big space. And the world is flat. Dineo Sekamela, thank you very much for that. And for more, you can visit www.educationusa.info. We'll try and repeat this for you. Uh, Educationusa.info, www. With that, let's give you your Friday lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. So, dear Singh of Sasfin Securities, good afternoon. How are the markets looking going into the weekend? Bungi, the positive momentum uh, seen on global markets yesterday has mostly continued today. Markets uh, have received a boost from Europe's uh, two biggest central banks, uh, which signaled its intent to maintain an accommodative policy. Over in the U.S., uh, as investors get back to work uh, today, the focus is going to be on the June jobs report due later this afternoon. The report is not expected to show a big uh, uptick in hiring. However, it is likely to show a solid increase. Taking a look at uh, the U.S. stock futures uh, this morning, it is pointing to a stronger opening later on this afternoon. On the local front, the JSC has lost some steam this morning in the absence of any corporate news. On the RAND front, the RAND has come under pressure this morning as investors trade cautiously ahead of that uh, U.S. jobs report. However, the weaker RAND has helped prop up some of our local RAND hedge counters. 
Just taking a look at the local indices, we've got the gold index, which is down 2%. Resource 10 index is down 1,4%. Industrial 25 index is down 0,3%. The financial index is down half a percent. And overall, the market is down around 285 points, or 0,7% to 39,745. Stocks on the move today? On the upside, we have Richmond, which is up 1% at 90 rands and 30 cents. African Bank is up almost a percent at 16 rands and 10 cents. Naspers is up half a percent at 761 rands. SAB Miller is up 0,1% at 490 rands and 90 cents. And on the downside, we have Woolworths, which is down just over 3.5% at 65 rands. Anglo Gold is down almost 3% at 134 rands. MTN is down 2% at 180 rands and 10 cents. And lastly, we have Discovery, which is down just over 1% at 84 rands and 80 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators? Currently, we have gold, which is trading at $1,235.10 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,334 an ounce. Brent crude is at $105.80 per barrel. And finally, we have the rand, which is trading at 10 rands to the dollar, 15 rand to the pound, and 12 rand 90 cents to the euro. That's it for me, Bongi. Have a good weekend. You too. Enjoy your Sudir Singh of Sasfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please can you order me a midday blood sugar leveling gastronomic experience? Lunch, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. Okay, I know I did promise that I'll be reading your SMSs. There's quite a lot of them on uh, top stories this week. And, of course, uh, no doubt the top stories that of uh, the Mandela family. But uh, I, I think I've run out of time. So I'm, I'm going to make sure that we load them onto our Twitter page. But I want to read this one quickly coming from Joe MSM, saying that uh, the ANC councillors in Tlokwe Municipality are refusing to be exhumed and be reburied. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very That's cold a sense of you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But anyway, uh, Janet, do you know that song by Johnny Clegg uh, called EMP? Oh, I do, I do. One and it's being sung all over the country today. Daryl EMP, yeah. wasn't that amazing? Becomes the first first South African and first African to wear the yellow jersey in the Tour de France. It's, it's an extraordinary performance. And I think people must sure. appreciate the fact that he might... He might keep it at the end of today. After that, he's undoubtedly going to lose it. They're going to the Pyrenees tomorrow, and the mountains, the, the climbers oh, will yeah. take over. But the fact that he has taken the yellow jersey even for a day at the Tour de France is an absolutely amazing achievement. And you know, he, he's worked hard for this. Daryl has Daryl has gone around the world. He's he's gone to all sorts of teams. He came back here to NT and Quebec, and now he's riding for Orica Greenidge, which is a new Australian team. Um, and and he went there as a domestique, which is which is a support rider mm, for the big mm, stars that mm. they do have in that team, um, and 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 he showed them what they can do, and they've given him the opportunity. So credit to them because um, because it's it's just a fantastic achievement. We cannot cannot sing his praises too much. 
but it was nice also a couple of years ago when uh, uh, Hunter Robbie Hunter Robbie Hunter was wearing that yellow jersey. R- R- Robbie Hunter never wore the yellow jersey, but he did win a stage He's at the Tour de France. Yes, he won a stage at the Tour de France, and actually Daryl MP gives particular credit to Robbie Hunter for for helping him through his career. I think it, I think people um, don't realize just how much Robbie Hunter and his success in Europe and the various European big European teams that he raced for actually how much he did for South African cycling and still does. Okay. All right, this would have easily been uh, uh, Serena Williams at Wimbledon, but uh, she decided, no, I want to let her. Nah, she's got better things to do. <laughs> um, Sabina Lasiki is ranked at number 23, seeded at number 23 for this Wimbledon, and she plays against Marion Bartoli, who is seeded number 15. Who would have thought? Apparently, if you had, at the beginning of the tournament, if you'd put money down on these two meeting each other, you would have got 1,500 to 1. <laughs> so you could have got, put down one pound, you could have got 150,000 bucks back. More. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the boys? Okay, this and is the, now, this is now the, final the final tomorrow, That's right? the final tomorrow. The boys are, taking, are, are playing this afternoon. First of all, it's Andy Murray against uh, Jerzy Janowicz, and then it's uh, Novak Djokovic against Juan Martín del Potro. It's interesting, this, because... I think that the odds are still that despite all of the craziness at Wimbledon, and that includes in the men's draw, there's a still a very, very strong possibility that it's going to be number one versus number two in the it final. Has to be. Um, you know, Del Potro played very well after he was injured, so I think it's Djokovic is going to have a tough time. But Andy Murray against Janovic. Janovic is one of those up-and-coming um, tennis players who is going to be very good in the future. I think this is a little going to be a little bit too much for him, so I think worry, Murray should walk Okay, our time has been reworked, so it's down to three and a half. All right, we've got uh, the issues with the Pirelli tyres. You saw what happened last time. There was All front. of these blowouts, it was very dangerous. And the, and the drivers have said for the German Grand Prix at the Nuremberg this weekend, if there's a blowout, they will stop racing. So they have I laid down so. the law for safety's sake. I think it's a very good idea, but indications are that Pirelli has actually done something about them. They've put some Kevlar inside the yeah, tyres yeah. to fix them, so hopefully there won't be any problems. All right, you want to touch on rugby and athletics, and maybe even down in July. Ah, the Durban July, yes. That takes place tomorrow. Um, that There should be some exciting stuff there, whether it's on the track or off it. From, uh, in athletics, the Diamond League continues. Tyson Gay, watch him, 9.79 last night. Usain Bolt is Usain Bolt is running at the two, in the 200 in um, in Paris tomorrow. They're not racing against each other. Probably not until the World Championships. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. There was Super Rugby, of course, this uh, this morning. The Crusaders beat the Chiefs 43-15. It does mean that the Bulls can go top of the log tomorrow they the if, if they beat the Sharks. Um, Bongi doesn't want to talk about that. Uh, the Cheetahs, <laughs> the Cheetahs need to win tomorrow. It'll take them up to 51 points. They have a bye in the last weekend, which means they're guaranteed four points to get four points. If they win tomorrow, they should get a playoff place. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. Time now for Create with Michelle Collins.